Christ Chapel family, we hope you're having a great day today. We are going to go ahead and get this morning started off right away with some water baptisms. We get to celebrate with several families, and I always love seeing our young children in here getting to watch. So if you'll turn your eyes over here, the first family we have is um, the Durbins, and we have Maggie first. And Maggie is being baptized by her dad, Todd. morning. Like I said, this is Maggie Durbin. And Maggie, uh, your mother and I are very proud of you and so thankful for you in your life and how you impact everybody you meet. And you may not see it even now yourself, but you have an amazing impact on everybody. And everybody says that about you and we're so thankful for you. Now, have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? Yes. You want him to be the boss of your life and tell you what to do, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, because of the profession of your faith, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And now we're going to have Hannah, her sister. She said, way to go, Mag. <laughs> That's little sister. She's ready to go, too. Woo. This is Hannah Durbin. And Hannah's actually just celebrated her birthday. And I can't think of any better way to finish her birthday celebration than by publicly professing her faith. So, Hannah, you've asked Jesus to come into your heart? Yes. And you want him to be the boss and call all the shots in your life, right? Yeah. Okay. Because of the profession of your faith, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah! All right. Next, we have the Rouse. We have Maggie and Sawyer, and they are going to be uh, baptized by Pastor John and their dad, Josh. So first, we're going to have Sawyer come on in. Y'all don't touch that. Don't touch the mic. Right it's with great joy today that I get to baptize this, my brother, and your boy. And I am just so proud of the life you and your wife have uh, lived and uh, raised him up in the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to let you talk to him, and then I'm going to baptize him. Sawyer, do you profess to uh, believe in Jesus for the rest of your days? Yes, sir. And you've accepted him into your heart? Yes, sir. All right. Because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, your daddy and I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. All right, next up we have Maggie Rao. She told me right before, I said, Maggie, you excited? She goes, I'm a little nervous and a lot excited. <laughs> so I'm going to let you talk to her and then we'll... Maggie, have you accepted Jesus into your heart? Yes. Do you promise to follow him for the rest of your days? Yes, sir. Because of your profession of faith in Jesus, your daddy and I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next up, we have Marie Ball. Miss Marie. Marie. Y'all make Marie feel welcome. Marie. 
feels it's warm. That's how we roll. We we do that. We just put sit right here and put your feet under there, under the little bar. Guys, this is Marie. Um, she had shared a little bit of her history with me. Uh, gave her uh, life to the Lord as a seven-year-old and was uh, baptized. And like many of us, our journey uh, carried us to places and things like my story that veered away from God. But recently, <coughs> she has come full circle and is all in yeah. Christ. Yes. Marie, he's your savior, isn't he? He is. Exclusively. Yes. Full trust in him. Yes. Nothing we can add to it. Mm -hmm. That faith makes you born again. It makes you my sister. But this baptism, for those of you that might be our guest or not understand why we immerse in water, it's the only biblical pattern of water baptism, but it is a public expression of an inward reality. In the same way Jesus died... This water symbolizes death. And in the same way Jesus was raised from the death, dead, death, we were raised with him. So this is just the evidence displaying to you. There's no power in the pool. This is expressing God has already brought my sinful life back to life. So Marie, because of your profession of faith, I just want you to hold your wrist. In Jesus Christ as Savior, it is my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, next up we have Jeremiah Ariola. If you'll make him feel welcome. Y'all, I gotta tell you something cute as my buddy comes. She was, uh, she told me before that she could not wait to feel this today and on her way out, she did the water like this and she was going, just feel. I said, how does it feel? She goes, oh. And isn't that just beautiful? Isn't that just a, a glorious expression of enjoying the moment and enjoying the obedience to the Lord? I just thought I'd share it. That was cute. I love it. So, Jeremiah, come on, buddy. That's a lot better than last time. Have a seat here. And then, right put, here. Your, uh -huh, and then put your feet right here. Where's Chris? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Church family, this is my friend and my brother, Jeremiah. And uh, there's so much I could say, but I want to say one thing, and then I want to give him an opportunity if you want to just bless the Lord in a sentence or two. I've been preaching this gospel now for 32 years, and pastors don't have favorites. But there are stories, and Ben, you know what I'm talking about. There are stories that make your, make your ministry just worth it. You just see the progression from closed eyes to open eyes, from a darkened heart to a heart of light, from a hard heart to a tender heart. And you and your family are one of those trophies for me. So mm -hmm. you want to say anything to bless the Lord this morning? I just want to say I'm more in love with God than I've ever been in my life. And there's a lot more to come. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what, what he has in store for me and my family. So Amen. He's a uh, He's more than enough. Amen. Jeremiah, because, yes, bless the Lord. 
Because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it is my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'd like to welcome up Carson Daniels, being baptized by her dad, Will Daniels. Make Carson feel welcome. This is Carson Daniels. It's my youngest of the two. And I've got the privilege of baptizing her today. And I also had the privilege of baptizing my oldest, Madison. Uh, Carson is Carson is a a uh, just a wonderful child. I, I call her get her done kind of gal. She's uh she's always loves to count the outdoors. And uh, so right now I, I'm I'm also thankful for our pastor and you know Steve and Amy, Sarah and uh, Chris. I'm sorry, but thank y'all thank y'all for investing in our kids. Uh, pastor John. I've been him with him for 24 years now, so uh, I'm just thankful for a church family. So Carson, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? Yes. Will you uh, follow his commandments all the days of your life? Yes. Okay. <coughs> Hold your nose. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's celebrate one more time. Come on. Yes. All right, as our children exit, we just want to take a minute before we start the worship part of our service um, to honor a special group of people um, and pray over them um, before our service starts. And so if you are a... Um, teacher or if you work in a school system, um, just raise your hands because those of um, you that raise your hand, people around them, we'd like to just pray over you. And um, we know school has been going for a couple weeks now, but um, I know that the prayers are always appreciated to those of you who are working with our kids day in and day out. It's not an easy job. Yeah, so uh, teachers, if you'll raise your hand one more time, and uh, congregation, if you're near them, uh, you know, place your hand on their shoulder, and then the rest of our congregation, if you could just stretch out your hand toward them, and let's pray for them and lift them up. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for those who decide to be teachers. Lord, my, my wife is, is a teacher as well, and I know that the struggles that they have with working with different types of children and uh, different behaviors and uh, different challenges, and Lord, uh, and, and sometimes in those hard uh, days and long days, sometimes it, you can lose sight of of what they're there for, to really pour in love to those children and to teach them uh, all the basics of life, Lord, and all the basics of, of learning. And so, God, we just lift up each one of our teachers today, and we pray, God, that your mercy, your grace, your strength, 
God, the stamina to uh, go throughout the year. Lord, I pray that you would, um, Lord, each teacher would have little joys and little victories and little wins, Lord, uh, throughout each day and each week and each month, God, that would remind them of how precious they are, remind them of how needed they are for all of our children. And so, God, I pray that you would just bless them. God, bless them in their work, God, as they prepare for the classroom each day, Lord, as they prepare the lessons. Lord, I pray that you just make their hands speedy, God. I pray that uh, the organization would come, Lord, and that, uh, that when they stand before the class each day, Lord, that they, uh, that they would stand before them with confidence. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that every student listen to them, every student pay attention, and that, God, I pray that you just give grace and strength to all of our teachers, Lord, especially those who love you and are doing their best to love on children for the glory of God. And we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And how about before we're seated, why don't we celebrate our teachers today and tell them we love them. Oh, can I speak to a specific group of people today? I've been right where you are. I've been with couples that bury their child and no parent should have to, no parent should live longer than their babies. And I've uh, been in the rooms with people where great tragedy has struck, great loss, great trial, seasons that just will not end, great opposition. Some speak it, but most of them countenance shows it. Said, Where's the good in this preacher? What? Show me good. And see, the devil, if he can't keep you from God, he likes to get behind and push. What about your God now? What about this? And we've confused what the scripture means when it says, taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy never fails. God's goodness does not exempt us from life issues and losses and perplexity. It doesn't keep you from the garden of Gethsemane where you tell the Lord, if you any other way, just pick it. I don't even care what it is. Any path but the one I'm on, I'll take it. Life and faith and God's goodness does not keep you from those losses, tests, trials, and seasons. The Bible said, follow the life of the righteous. The end of it is blessed. God's goodness does not keep me from it. It keeps me in it till I get to the other side of it. Hey, that's not inspiration. That's not pep talk. That's not uh, everybody's going to win. Everybody doesn't win. But Christ is more than enough. And you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. I'm not making it because of my grip on God. I'm making it because of God's grip on me. One more time, he's good.
trust that I'm led by the Spirit here. Just one, one, one small thing. For that person that does not have the strength to go on. Your pastor has been in that place where with integrity I could tell you, I do not have the strength to go forth. You could have hooked me up to a lie detector test on this stage and said, will you make it? Do you feel like, is there any way for you to make it? And I could have answered no and passed the test. And here I stand. God is with you. God has a plan. God is working the plan. And God will finish the plan. Period. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Bless the Lord just one more time, would you? Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to do minimized greetings, so pick the sweetest people you... No, pick the mean one. Pick the one that ain't smiling and just hug them and greet them. No, greet one another this morning, would you? Good morning, everybody. If you'll go ahead and make your way back to your seats, we can get started with our announcements. Hello. So 
sounds enough like white noise that it might make me go to sleep. That's like. Good deal. We better now. Okay. Good morning, guys. My name is Kelly Wood, and on behalf of my husband, John, and the rest of our staff here at Christ Chapel, we want to say good morning and welcome. For those of you who don't know, um, John is the pastor. <laughs> I've had somebody ask me that one day. They're like, um, who, who is it that you're married to? And I'm like, John Wood, the pastor. So anyway, if, if there's any confusion there, you know, just wanted to clear that up a little bit. Um, but anyway, but on behalf of our staff, I want to say good morning and welcome to you guys this morning. We are really glad that you're here with us today. Um, and that you got to worship with us today. Um, if you're a first-time visitor with us at Christ Chapel, we want to say welcome. I hope that getting in the church and getting your kids settled was as least confusing as humanly possible. Our greeters have been um, planning and praying all week for your visit, so I hope that they're able to direct you get you signed in, get your sticker on so you can pick your kid up after service. Um, I hope that they were able to show you a class for you to go to if you got here early enough for Sunday school this morning. Um, and I hope they got a chance to put one of our Connect Guides in your hand. That's got everything written down that we've got going on in our church um, on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. We kick Sunday nights back off tonight. It's so exciting. So um, make sure you got one of those Connect Guides. It's also got a way that you can contact our church if you need to throughout the week. It should have office hours as well. So be sure you hold on to that and either stick it in your Bible or put it on your refrigerator someplace where you can reference it if you have any questions. If you are a visitor, um, at the bottom of that guide is a card. And if you would please just fill that out and don't place it in the offering basket, but if you could just put it back in the hands of one of our greeters as you leave today, or you can either drop it off at our visitor's table that's back there by the sound booth. Um, we just want to have a record of your visit. Um, we won't stalk you or track you down or Facebook stalk you or anything like that. We just would like to know that you are here and, um, and so we can recognize you when you come back. Um, if you're a member of our church and you need to sign up for anything, or if you need to sign up like we did today, following the Lord and water baptism, when that's available, it's usually available at the bottom of that card. Or you can sign up on our Christ Chapel app in the App Store. Um, if you'll just go ahead and, and grab that. Church members, regular attenders, you can drop those little cards in the offering basket. It's probably the most reliable way that it will actually get back to the front office. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and ask them if they will please play the announcement video, and then our ushers will come and serve. <coughs> Good morning, Christ Chapel. We are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today, and it is going to be an awesome day. In addition to our morning Sunday celebration service, we kick off tonight our Sunday evening services. That's right, we have our corporate time of prayer starting at 5 p.m., as well as our service tonight that starts at 6 p.m. Childcare is provided. We have activities for our kids and our youth. So make sure you make plans to be here tonight. In addition, this past Wednesday, we kicked off our family discipleship classes. They will now be going on every single Wednesday starting at 6.30 p.m. So make plans to be here for that as well. And in addition to that, families, if your child is participating in Fun Arts this coming Saturday, we have a meeting directly after service today in the Student Center. So don't forget to stop by, ask all the questions that you have, and be ready for a great day on Saturday. 
If you find yourself new here at Christ Chapel, we have something that we personally want to invite you to. It's our Connection Point Lunch. And what is Connection Point Lunch? Well, it is a time uh, for you to find out more about Christ Chapel and how to get connected as well as meet the staff and just find out the history about our church. Uh, if you're interested in that, that is happening Sunday, September 23rd, immediately following the service. And did I mention lunch? Yes, lunch is provided. Also, child care is provided. And if you need child care, lunch is provided for your children as well. Uh, just grab the CC app, go there, and make sure that you register. We want to be prepared for you. So join us September 23rd for our Connection Point Lunch. And attention all youth ladies, that's right, pay attention. The Made for More Conference, which is just all girls, is coming up October 12th and 13th. You don't want to miss out on that. So make sure you go back and see Pastor Chris or Sarah for all the details and get signed up today. And church family, we wanted to remind you about our supper clubs coming up in October and in November. And just a side note, if you're still interested in being a supper club host, we would love to have you a part of that, helping us connect our body. Uh, today is the last day to sign up for that, so make sure you make your way to the table in the back and put your table down. We're just asking for two dates in October and one date in November. And then if you're interested in just being a part of a supper club, there are several supper clubs already uh, ready with their schedules and stuff like that. Make sure you make your way to the table in the back and put your name down. And let's join our body together, uh, just connecting, fellowship, building friendships. That's what it's all about. And then don't forget, Yes, get the CC app. It's got all kinds of information, ways to register for things and events and to stay up to date on everything that we have going on around here. So make sure you download that. And then don't forget to check us out on ChristChapelMacon.com online. And also don't forget to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Christ Chapel Macon. Ushers, if you please come and serve our church body as we continue to worship the Lord by giving our tithes and offerings. And then Pastor John will come and pray.
Church family, right before we pray over these, our gifts. Tanner, would you mind just coming up and giving us an update? Y'all remember our missionaries, Tanner and Carolyn? Just real quickly tell us about the itineration. And we're not doing this because it's something to do. We're with you, man. We want to hear the good news. So. Thank you so much. Sure. Yeah, so um, Carolyn and I actually have about three weeks until we actually leave and head back to Colorado. We, If y'all didn't hear last time, we're going to have about an eight-month Bible school where we... We just dig into the scriptures for eight months, cross-cultural training, that stuff. And then June of next year, we'll actually head out. But um, you guys have played such a part in this, and we'd love to just share this victory with you guys. We're totally funded. That's a really big deal. And, um, and uh, but we, we do, like, y'all, I wish I could tell you how big of a part y'all have played in that. Not just financially, but support we totally feel a part of this community and I, I do not say that as just uh, empty words but I just want to express that to you guys but we're grateful so thank you for having us I just want y'all to hear that blessing I read it on Facebook that was wonderful <laughs> y'all join with me as we lift these our gifts to the Lord Father, it's to you this morning that we give, no one or nothing else. We're not giving to a need, and we are not giving to uh, ju uh, social justice or injustice, any of those things. We're not giving uh, except to glorify you. Now, it'll find its expression in all those ways, but it's to you, O oh Lord. We want to honor you first, and for a man or a woman to give of their resources to you before they bless their wife or their husband or their babies. That means you're first. Use these resources, Lord, to change lives, to help us win the lost, disciple the found, mend the broken, and send the whole. And may our individual and collective lives bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Y'all see them clearing land out there this morning? Y'all see that out there? Come on. We take checks. We're ready. Have people write me, they said, Pastor John, are we still moving? I said, yeah. I said, when? I said, ask the Lord. But it, I believe it to be very soon. And if Jesus tarries, when we sell this building, our intention, unless God directs otherwise, is to go to Bolingbroke, Georgia, right off the interstate, less than a quarter of a mile. There's uh, 12 acres there that have been promised to us to be given to us free with an additional seven or eight acres. And we will be able to build completely debt-free and to be... 23 years into the life of this church and we still never had to have one capital fund drive because God has been faithful to us. So bring on the buyer, Lord, and let them be in a good mood. All right. <laughs> Stand with me. Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Luke 21. Looking forward to seeing you tonight. We're going to do one summary of our last uh, eight or so weeks study in Ephesians chapter 1. And then the following Sunday night, Lord willing, we will be begin, beginning Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, different than preaching, it's an in-depth study and cross-referencing of the book of Ephesians. And the title of our series is In Him, For Him. Just that phrase. If what you're doing with God and for God can be in that phrase, in Him, and for him. All right, Luke 21, if you're there, say amen. 
I'll be reading two portions of Scripture. I asked you just to turn to one, reading out of the Amplified Bible. Jesus, in answering a question that was given to him about signs of the times, end of the age, he said, they will fall by the mouth and edge of the sword and will be led away as captives uh, to and among all nations. That's the Israelite. And Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled or completed. That is happening now. And then there's the gap. And then, after the time of the Gentiles is completed, after the church age, there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and upon the earth there will be distress, trouble and anguish of nations in bewilderment and perplexity, without resources, left wanting, embarrassed, in doubt, not knowing which way to turn. And at the roaring and, uh, and the echo, the tossing of the sea, men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread and apprehension and, and in expectation of the things that are coming to the world. For the very powers of heaven will be shaken and caused to totter. Matthew 16, 1 through 4. Now the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and asked him to show them a sign, a spectacular miracle from heaven attesting to his divine authority. And he replied, when it's evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and has a gloomy and threatening look. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and morally unfaithful generation craves a sign, but no sign shall be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then he left them and went away. Before you're seated this morning, understand that Jesus was speaking to the unbelieving generation. He said, you have no sign, except in the same way Jonah went into the belly of a fish for three days and was delivered. So will the Son of Man uh, be lifted up like Moses, uh, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Uh, he will be buried for three days and come back to life. But to the believer, many signs, many evidences, many uh, validations that we are. And I know many generations thought they were, but we are the terminal generation. Everything is in place. I, and people say, oh, you don't know the day nor the hour. Not even the sun. Jesus, Jesus knows. He didn't when he walked the earth as the God-man. He uh, laid aside omnipotence and omniscience. And although the God element and God was still in him and with him, he was man. He didn't know. Don't tell me he sits at the right hand of the Father and didn't know when he's coming back. He didn't when he said it. But he know, heaven is ready. Is the church ready? And I want to speak to you this morning on, on a simple subject. Uh, what is going on? You turn on the TV news. I don't care if you're on Fox or the other ones. Uh, you can watch it and go, what is going on? We've lost our mind. We've lost our compass. We've lost our moorings. Common sense is no longer common. That's a hashtag for you. What is going on? And by search of the scripture this morning, I pray. Let me just pray. God, I pray you anoint me this morning with clarity and with unction and power that our eyes might be open, that we might understand the day in which we live and see the one who controls it. You, O oh Lord are the author and finisher of our faith. You are the determiner of history and the one that sees it through. Let us not be fearful at what we see, but confident in knowing that it is unfolding just like God said it would. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. I am not a political person. I do not have a political party. 
I do not have a favorite candidate. But I want you to know that there are things you can see in the geopolitical world, in the national context, in the economic system in which we live. And there are signs there and evidences. You need to see them with a spiritual mind. Don't tell someone right out the gate you're Republican. You are Christian. Christian. And I'm just going to throw this. Listen, I'm not telling you who to vote for or how to vote. But a Christian cannot support any candidate, male, female, white, black, orange, red, yellow, it doesn't matter. You can't support anyone that is pro-abortion and anti-Israel. You, you can't. You can't. Well, who do you vote for? If he's the fourth string independent and he acknowledges God, you ain't going to win, but you're not going to be on that side. So I just thought I'd throw that out there for free. I don't talk a lot about politics and all of that. But anyway, it limits the voting pool. I'll tell you that. Um, what is going on in the world? Separate from the, the, the nations, the world, um, separate from the individuals, the world itself. The Bible tells us before the return of the Lord that the mystery of iniquity, lawlessness, is already at work. Only he that restraineth is restraining until till he be taken out of the way. That is not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit does not leave the earth because if the Holy Spirit left the earth, then no one would be saved during the tribulation. No one would come to faith. No one would be reborn. It is your pastor's firm conviction that the rapture of the church is the taking out of the Holy Spirit's influence in the life of the believer. We are the salt that preserves the decay. We are the light that pushes back against the darkness. And what's going on in the world is what God foretold. The mystery of iniquity is at work that creates a lawless, anti-Jesus. It can be moral and be anti-Jesus. It can do good social works and be anti-Jesus. But it's a lawlessness that refuses to bend its knee to the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. Mark 7 says you'll see and hear wars and rumors of wars. Don't be troubled. These things must happen, but the end shall not be yet. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, famines, troubles, and these are the beginning of sorrows. We have not entered this exact thing yet. Jesus is speaking of the day of the Lord, the judgment of the Lord, but we're in the contractions, the similar contractions, the, the contractions aren't as painful as the birth, I heard. Uh, but you see these things happening now. Uh, I don't have time to go into all the details, but we had more earthquakes, 6.0 and higher, in like a two-week span than in years and years. And you're not hearing about all of the pestilence, and you're not hearing about the depravity. The economic system of the world is crashing. I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I'm positive it's crashing. I know there's no... If you own your own business, okay, you got a little uh, restaurant and you take in 10000 a month and your expenses are $10 million a month, I can look at you without discerning of spirit and say, that ain't going to work. The, the world has to be coming apart economically 
for there to be a one world economic system. The world has to be coming apart spiritually for there to be a one world, one faith religion which is not Islam, it's not Christianity, it's whatever you believe, baby, is fine. That's the one world religion. And then at the three and a half year point in the tribulation, the Antichrist will come into the temple of God, declare himself to be God alone, God in the person. And then all the relativism and the art verity worshiping like you want vanishes and it's a one world religion. One world government, one world currency, one world religion. What's going on in the world is you are seeing the madness show up in violence, ignorance, uh, pride, uh, selfishness, love for the world, love of the things of the world. These are the contractions that will find their fulfillment in the baby of the tribulation being born where the, the restraining forces moved out of the way and there are no godly voices. No salt, no light. When it says nation shall rise against nation, that doesn't mean Jordan and Israel. It is the Greek word ethnos, from which we get ethnic, ethnicity, ethnicity, that word. Uh, it's the races. And it's not just black-white. See, we think of that because we're in, in the United States. It's black-on-black black in other nations. It's white-on-white. White. Different tribes, different dialects. Hatred and violence and genocide and chemical warfare. Uh, ethnic peoples hating and despising other ethnic peoples. Race wars, national wars, boundary wars, economic wars, earthquakes, famine, pestilence, distress of nations. And the Bible said... During this contraction period, the world will look like an ocean just roaring. And it doesn't have really any sense about it. One wave laps over the other. And you can watch 30 minutes of the news, and I'm reaching for cigarettes. I don't even smoke. I'm like trying to find something. And be so, it's hard to describe, just, describe, just overwhelmed, just like, what? I have to do it in doses. I watch one, and then turn one off and go, you know, and sit there and balance out. Because if I'm not careful and I take in everything, my sea starts to roar. Signs in the heavens. I don't have time to go into all of this because people here, is that me? Is that a plane? You're too low, bro. You, you need <laughs> up. Back is up. I'm not going, I know I'll stir up the conspiracy theorist people, but when you have the UFO phenomenon we have, and you think it's interplanetary, if it is a phenomenon, it's interdimensional, but there will be signs. There will be something that comes upon the earth in the day of the tribulation that God sends strong delusion because they love not the truth to believe the lie your pastor's opinion that it will be something from the sky something someone some what if some figure come on the scene and he looked humanoid uh, angels can appear as people and what if he's enough human to where nobody's scared and he says look I'm just like you I'm evolved uh, and he gives the cure of cancer he just writes it down. He takes them to some cave in the Middle East and shows them new scrolls that 
teach us that we're all gods, whatever. But there'll be signs in the heavens. And so think it not strange that you hear very little about it. And then now with the advancing of technology, every day there's signs. They said unidentified. That's a, if I can't identify it, if, if you've got four doctorates, you know, and you can't identify what we're seeing, soon it will be identified. And here's the big one. Perplexity. Christians don't know what to do. Our lawmakers don't know what to do. Uh, we don't know how to, to fix. How do, you, how do you be righteous in leadership and not lose the unrighteous? How do you steer uh, econ into economic health when you don't pay your creditors? How can I be given the job to teach your children that Jesus wouldn't watch, teach them in the public school system, and not speak to them of discipline. How, we are presented with dynamics, the Bible says, and perplexity will be upon all people. How do I work here and be this? How do I know the Lord and do this? How? It's a perplexing time because it's impossible. Men's hearts failing them for fear. The most fearful generation since, time, since we started accumulating statistics. The highest suicide rate. The highest suicide rate. The highest violence rate. Fear. Fear controls it. And it's, it's okay to be concerned, but fear about what is coming. Because it's progressed. You can track. If you don't have anything but from Andy Griffith on, you can track the degradation, the loss of the sanctity of life, common sense, and look where we are today. We are taking little eight-year-old boys, dressing them up as women, and letting them lead a gay pride parade. And you see where we're at, and you go, where are we headed? What's going on in the world is as God said it would. Everything that you see that you would say is horrible, it is leading us to the world's, world's acceptance of a one-world religion, a one-world government, and a one-world economic system that will bring a balance to the roaring for three and a half years. And we, are, I ain't planning on being here. And I know some of our believers, hey, sweet friends of mine, a lot of people, some believe pre-trib, some believe mid-trib, some believe post-trib, you know. Um, I had one lady tell me, she's going through the tribulation. She said, the Lord showed her. I said, what'd you tell her? I said, I believe her. She said, I am going through it. I said, I believe you. I ain't going through it. I'm not planning on it. And if I do go through it, he's coming for me. But I, you can have my seat. Here's my ticket. I don't plan. Anyway, number two. Y'all, I'm just in a lighthearted mood. With all of this that's going on, I want you to know your pastor ain't worried about when we move, where we move, how we move, who's paying this. My Lord has ordered my steps, and I'm fine. What if they pass laws and they take our homes? Then we go back to renting. What if they won't rent? We'll sleep outside. This is not our home. This is not it. This is the dress rehearsal. I spend most of my life dressed like this going to Waffle House. That's what I feel like. You ever been dressed for a wedding and you know they're going to have cucumbers on a toothpick? And you said, baby, let's just hit Waffle House one time. We'll do it. 
All-American, I think it's called, which you, you got the full breakfast and a hamburger and a waffle and hash. You get all of it. And you walk in and everybody goes, Billy Bob and, and M, Billy Bob and M. <laughs> they watch you all the way to the table. You, you want to say, I'm, I'm going to a wedding. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to a wedding. I don't usually dress like this. I'm going to a wedding. That's how I feel in this world. I'm going to heaven. I know, you don't, I, know I don't fit in right here. I know I don't fit in at work. I know y'all aren't going to invite me to lunch, and I know I stand out a little bit, and it's not that I'm better. I'm just dressed for somewhere else. I'm just dressed for somewhere else. I'm just... And if you stop smoking, you could buy yourself a suit. But number two, there's a lot of money that goes down that drain. Number two, what is going on in the U.S.? Now, your pastor's about to go where angels fear to tread. So if you quote me, please quote the whole 10-minute or 5-minute diatribe, if you will. What is going on, pastor? It's very simple. It really is. Everything, and I mean everything, is centered around and against our current president, don't applaud, please. I'm not, this is not a political statement. Hear me out. Everything is centered around and coming against our president. And it is not for the reasons that you think. The hatred for him has many expressions. Some valid. Hate to say that for those of you that are fans. And some invalid. But it has one source. And that is Satan. Those that despise, malign, persecute, and attack do so from a disguised platform of hot-button issues, but no one ever addresses the source of the vehement hatred. It is not his immoral past, which is immoral. It is not his propensity to be crass and to say stupid things, which is obvious. It is not his promise and success in draining the political swamp. It is, not his, it is not his eagerness to expose fake news, the dark state, the duplicit, nor the obvious. It is not his Twitter feed, his opinions about the NFL, or his courage, tenacity, and success in standing against the greatest onslaught of 24-hour-a-day media that your pastor has ever seen. I am old. Oh, you're not old. No, I'm, old. I'm 56. I have lived through several presidents and now with the age of media and social media. And it's, I have never seen a war criminal. I've never seen a serial killer, child molester. All day, every day, a onslaught tearing apart the most minute things like what his, why did his wife wear that color to this thing? Everything is attacking him. Now, I just told you some of the feelings of opposition are justified. But as a Christian, we don't judge things according to appearance. We go to the source. Now listen. It is easy to trace back this hatred. And this is why. He is one of the most strategic and time-sensitive supporters of Israel in the history of the world. He is a nationalist, not a globalist. The entire world has to be pushing towards globalism for there to be a global leader. 
a global government, a global religion. And this thing that makes them matter than anything is make America great. It doesn't matter if it's great or great again. Yes, let's do better. Let's, yes. But the hatred is not the man, although there is much in the man to despise. There's much in me to despise. There's much in you to despise. It's that he, even if he is not qualified morally or spiritually or intellectually, he is wired physically and with the personality to stand an onslaught that you couldn't take one day. Not one day. I get somebody on Facebook, don't like me or defriend. I'm like, what, 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 what did I do? What? I mean, thousands, thousands and thousands coming against him. So the, the, the reasons, there are three. He is, at this point in time, if it was important that Lyndon Johnson was there for the rebirth of Israel, and if it was important for King Cyrus years ago to, to, to give Israel permission to build again and funded them, at the last hour, it is important for us. And it is a hindrance to the, the global push towards Antichrist. He is the preeminent with nobody near him standing in the way saying, make our nation great which says to the spirit realm and we are not better people we're not better than other nations it says to the spirit realm your desire for one world i stand against it your desire for one religion i stand against it your desire for one economy i stand against it i it's not make america great it's bucking the intentions and spirit of this world that draws their ire and their hatred they are inspired by what they feel are issues, but the source is Satan himself. And the other thing is it makes them so angry that they don't get to him. If someone with his past, and I'm not even getting into the, is he a Christian or not? I don't know. I don't know the man. Uh, our previous president uh, campaigned as a Christian and then gets elected and says he's a Muslim. I don't know. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. No, no one knows the inner workings of a man's heart. But I will tell you this. This man, you look in his track record and he didn't care what ex-wives said. He didn't care what friends said and people that had left his cabinet said. There's a part in him that I don't think it's a good character trait. I think it's just how he's wired. So, I hate you, and. Now, that's callous. It's uncaring. But in that position, I'd love for all my feeling nerve endings to be burned off and feel nothing. So if, you're, if you are positioned, understand this, that God picks people sometimes not based on moral character, but on a quality that will accomplish his purposes. And if lying spirits can be sent from the throne of God to accomplish his will, then a crass... Uh, uh, belligerent at times, uh, arrogant at times, man. If I need somebody to withstand the world, he's not. The, you don't need sensitive Joe. You know. Uh, can I meet with you? He goes. I don't care if you buy our cars or not. Next, you know. 
So understand this, while you're playing the political game with your Christian friends and you're trying to see that, you're missing the forest for the trees. Satan hates this man because he is pro-Israel. Satan hates this man because he's nationalist. And they hate him because he's not intimidated. I would be a nervous wreck. I don't want his job. Well, God knew what he had purposed. And he's using a very flawed vessel that in those two areas, nationalism and... uh, uh, what was my first one? Hold on. Support of Israel. And he ain't budging. I appreciate this. Every time I hear he said something on Twitter, I just go, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, don't, 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 don't. Because people know you support him. I supported my previous president. I had to find the things that I could support. Same, he's about to say something. But I know when he gets up and he says, and it was, it's just truth. He said, I told you I would be your friend to Netanyahu. I told you. And America is your friend. He follows through with most of what he said. Well, he's a liar. He's a liar. Well, you can go to every president back. Please stop doing the Democrat-Republican thing. How about this? You can pick your carrier. I'm going to get your insurance, but you can pick your carrier. Then you get in and go, surprise, you can't pick nothing. (laughs) Every president. Y'all aren't laughing. That was a good point. (laughs) They all do it. Don't confuse the issue. We're heading to the last hour and you're talking politics. Doesn't matter. I know why they hate him. And for America to head into the rapture of the church and the great tribulation on the correct side, we have to be pro-Israel. And we can be carnal and the other things, but when God says, I'll curse you. And at the end day, now, if our president, if someone assassinates him, and he said, well, then you have the vice president. Well, if, if there's an assassination or I've seen stranger things, if something happens and somehow in this crooked judicial system he's removed or whatever, and the next one is globalist. Don't look for party. Look for that. And anti-Israel. We're done. We're done. And there's a sweeping movement now in Christian circles that is empathetic to the Palestinians and we don't hate people, but they're not God's chosen people. They're not. You, you can say how you want and twist it how you want, but God said, I give this land to you forever. Forever. Okay. Number three, and I don't have time, so I'm not going to do two Sundays because I think I'm going to start. What's happening in the church? Deception. Illiteracy. In the word of God. Confusion. Contradictory and competing voices. Standing on the ever-changing platform of relativism. Seducers. Backslidden, carnal, lustful, empowered, purveyors of light that know not the Christ. Listen. Just because they preach Jesus and preach out of your Bible, don't think that they can't preach another Jesus. Another one that does not fit the description found of him in the Old Testament. One that does not fit the description found in his life in the New Testament. A watered down Jesus. A deluded Jesus. An altered Jesus. There's testing in the church. The Bible says the trying of your faith. Uh, Understand that God's uh, 
testing your metal to see if your profession is genuine. And the trial of your faith, not your faith, but the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. It's the evidencing, the bringing to refinery, uh, taking you from uh, you know, six or eight carats to 16 carats. It purifies. There's a pruning that's taking place in the church. Be careful of the church in the last hour that is all flowers. In this last hour, he's pruning us back to the ground. It's not beautiful, but he said, I'm the van, you're the branches, and my father's the husbandman. And the evidence of him working in your life is pruning. So that when it grows back, there will be more fruit. And this, uh, God wants you to be happy and come join our happy church, good times. Jesus invites us to die. And if you go, I, I was in a season one time. There was so much, you know, sometimes the Lord comes out with a little, you know, other times he comes out with like, and then sometimes he goes, I wrote a sermon and I titled it something that I changed before I preached it, but I titled it uh, uh, Sap Squirting Stumps. Which meant I was kind of tired of the prune. And then I, you know, tapered it back to truth. But he cut me down to the ground. He said, this is no longer necessary in your life. Now, why do I have to, why would he use a chainsaw? Because you let the limb grow that big. I'm going to cut this back because it's diseased. And I'm going to cut this back because the devil grafted in this unacceptable branch, unacceptable person. Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? I'm cutting them off. I couldn't get you to let them go, so I let your job let you go to get them, you away from them. An apostasy. We are the terminal generation. The turning away from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're teaching courses in Christian colleges. The queering of the Bible. We're ordaining homosexuals. Brother John, do you hate? Absolutely not. That's just like ordaining an adulterer. It's, it's a different expression. It's an abomination. But adultery, God, God hates things that lead to divorce. We're, it, doesn't matter what you, it doesn't matter what you believe or how you live. Apostasy that, that rewrites catechisms that have stood the test of time for millennia so that we don't use male pronouns. It's, 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 it's you just, when we can't get the Bible right, we just rewrite it and fix it and drop things and don't preach against things and uh, don't preach for things. But there's also a separation. It will happen in the end, the wheat and the tares. And God tells us, don't you go and try to pull it up because you'll pull up the wrong one. We're not called to pull it up, but you will know. Because right before harvest time, when the wheat and tares grow up together, one turns Dark and one stays golden. And right now, some of you are being torn from family and friends and you're not doing the tearing. Their, their leaf is withering. Their soul is drying up. They're Christian, but they love this world. They're Christian, but they're holding on to this sin. They're Christian and they know what God's word says, but I know this person and they're kind. And I'm going to change the laws of God for them. And it's happening. And you can't, I don't judge your heart, but I am not colorblind. 
If one is golden yellow and one is dark brown and it starts to wither, it's not because I'm better. Hear me, hear me. That person that turns away may have better moral character. They, in the sense of morality, they may be kinder or sweeter, but they're not connected to the vine. That's why they wither. Any goodness that comes from our life is not through effort. It's through being attached to the vine. And if you stay attached to the vine, everything will be fine. Number four, finally. And Ben, if you would come, please. Oh, I'm sorry. One quick sub-point on the last one. What's happening in the church, there's also a growth and maturation in the lives of those that are connected to Jesus Faithfulness to the word of God, to the person of God, to the people of God and the ways of God. Eyes that see further. Jeremiah, remember we talked about that? Eyes that see further. Ears that hear clearer. Confidence that can't be shaken. And faith that moves mountains. These people offer praise that moves heaven. Worship that moves the heart of God. Sacrifices that are willing. And suffering that is accompanied with joy. These people in this last hour are aware of the nearness of God, the presence of God, the faithfulness of God, and the power of God. Believers who are losing their life today in expectation of the life to come tomorrow. Believers who practice self-denial and carry their cross unashamedly following the person of Jesus Christ. Sheep who know their shepherd's voice and deep resolve that they will not follow the voice of another. Believers who truly do not love this world, nor the things of this world, but long for heaven. I love talking to believers. You start talking about heaven and their eyes fill up with tears. They go, today, Lord, today, today. But I haven't seen my babies grow. Today, I'll see them grow up in heaven. Today. And believers who stand up, speak up, stand out, and whose lives reflect and show forth the glory of Jesus Christ, the only true God. Number four, what's going on in the prophetic timeline? In my lifetime, we've seen the miraculous reestablishment of the nation of Israel and the preservation, the six-day war, miraculous preservation. We get all worried that somebody could send a nuke from across the ocean and on every board. You could put on a blindfold, and I know my buddy John's here. He spent years in Israel and others. You could put on a blindfold and walk to any border. And there's threat of annihilation and every border. Yet there's a pr preservation. Constantly, it uh, constantly under small attack with threats that say we live to destroy you. Yet God is preserving them. What's going on in the prophetic timeline? The, the trending anti-Semitic attitudes of the world and the nations. That's how God will divide up the sheep and goat nations. Which of you were good to these, my brethren? And who were not good. And now in the church, anti-Zionism. And God has left the nation of Israel. Whoa, 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 whoa. No. In the body of Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. A Messianic Jewish person is no more a son than I am. In the body of Christ, there is no Jew nor Greek. But in the world, there is. And his heart is set upon committed to and sworn to the nation of Israel by election, not by merit. And any, listen, I, I don't mean this in any way wrong. All I've ever been in my life is in the assemblies of God. I think it's the greatest evangelistic force on the face of the earth. If you were to name a movement, 
that reflects the nature and image of God. I, I think it's it. There's scuttle and brewings about some motion and it got shelved at the last general council. And I never talked to you about Assembly of God stuff, which I'm for. It's all I've ever known from the day I got saved. So 32 years, I'm a lifer. And they are, it's presenting an anti-Zionism. It's a, a pro-Palestinian empathy, if you will, which means by the turning to you, I'm turning away. And if that ever became the pulse of that, of our movement, just like if we, the Bible's no longer the inspired word of God, we become independent. Do you plan on being coming into it? Absolutely not. I believe we have the greatest leadership. And I believe they're going to vote this mess down and hope they excommunicate all those that would come against the nation of Israel. That's what I hope. But you understand, for your pastor, we side with the Christ, we side with the Word of God, and we side with Israel. Period. No discussion. The stage is set for the rapture of the church. The man of sin cannot be revealed until he that is restraining is taken out of the way. The stage is set for Ezekiel 38 and 39, the battle of Gog and Magog, where he prophesied several thousand years ago what would happen before the battle of Armageddon. And every nation mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39 is positioned right now militarily. Today, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Please hear me. Every nation, some have traveled many miles, have stockpiled weaponry, men, soldiers, and they, all the nations in the battle of Gog and Magog are positioned right now with the nations that surround them, with the help of other nations, declaring our sole purpose in life is to obliterate, obliterate Israel. And God said when this happens. Now think of cell phones now and television. and It'll be all over the world. When they attack, Israel will never fire a weapon. Heaven is going to open and God is going to rain hailstones. And that's going to be on the news. Why would the nations ever sign a peace agreement with Israel? I'll tell you why. When all of them are destroyed... And 80 to 90% of a religion is destroyed. Where can we sign? Where, where, where can we sign? And it shows from heaven. And pagan newspapers are going to say, the Lord God fights for Israel. Where was Allah? Well, he didn't show up. It's going to happen. Whether we're here or not, it's going to happen. And then I believe it, that's when the peace treaty is ushered in right after that. Because those nations say, we don't want none of your God here. Just We, we good? We, me and you good. You can have that land. Yeah, you can have this, these goats. You can have all this. You can have everything. That, to be eager to sign. And then Antichrist is going to come, the geopolitical figure. Three and a half years of the wrath of man. Which is the society, the godless society will be happy. And anyone that doesn't take the mark, which just means I submit to your government. I take a mark in my right hand or on my head so I can buy and sell and have food. And everyone that doesn't, the violence and the wrath of man. They, they just resemble Christians. They, just the hatred. And then at the three and a half year mark, when Antichrist is revealed as Antichrist proclaiming himself to be God then such tribulation that has never occurred in the history of the world will come upon the world. And the Bible said, unless the days be shortened, there will be no elect saved. None of Israel would be saved. And then they come into Israel. Israel flees to
to Petra. And he said, in those days, don't even take your cup. Don't come down off the top of your house when you see these things happen. Run to the hills. And woe to the woman that's giving suck, nursing her babies. Run to the hills. And God cleared out the place in Petra and will protect them there. And then, in the battle of Armageddon, when all the nations of the earth, by all it means from every place, not that every individual person. If the United States is still here and we have our president, it looks like we ain't going. But the world in general comes against Israel. And the Christ returns, not for his church, but with his church. And with the brightness of his glory, he obliterates 200 million people that come against Israel. And imagine... We've got horses now. Kelly's got horses. I get to touch. I pay for the food, but Kelly gets the, the horses. Bridle high to a horse, the blood runs through the valley of Megiddo. And Christ comes and puts his foot on the Mount of Olives and it splits. And he says, enough of... I'll tell you what's going on. He answers the question. This is over. And he institutes a thousand-year reign of peace and righteousness. The devil is released one more time. And believe it or not, there are those that hate law, governing authority so much that they turn against Jesus one more time. He destroys that rebellion. And then he burns the earth with fire. The prophet said, I saw heaven roll up like a scroll and the earth was burned. And he creates a new one. And we start over ruling and reigning with him. Well, what's he going to do? Does he start a, another Adam and Eve? Or does he start several planets? We don't know. But we know this. Everything that you're seeing on the news is scheduled and promised. So what's going on? I want you to look, I want you to look me in the eye as I close this right here. He's keeping his word. Because if it didn't happen like he said it would happen, he's not God. If it doesn't get as bad as he said it would get, it's not God. If he doesn't come for his church, he's not God. And if he don't win, he ain't God. He wins. That's what's going on. We're on schedule. That just thrills me today. The world is horrible, but we're on schedule, baby. I'm, you ever drove out of a storm? You see it behind you? Look, just speed up. We, we, we're almost out of this. He wins. Lord, I just want to decree, you are the faithful God. Would y'all stand with me if this is you? Would you just echo this? You're the faithful Lord. Supreme ruler of all. There's nobody before you. There's nobody after you. We pay homage to you. We reverence our heart. We agree with your word. We agree to love the things you love and hate the things you hate. We, O oh Lord, are unworthy, but we are yours. And our life is hid in Christ with God. Nothing can separate us from your love. You will have your way in the earth. I pray, O oh Lord, for our president. I pray that you would give him wisdom how to go in and out among the people and not be abrasive. Let him stand, but not be abrasive so he'll have less of the just the, that part of the antagonism give him courage to be the Cyrus you've called him to be help people see that this is not a validation Lord but it's proof that you know what instrument needs to work where and we pray for him 
I pray if he's not come to faith that he'd be born again of your spirit and let there be a meekness and tenderness that shouts your name when they see that transformation, God. But we just want to leave today, Lord, with that answer from your word in our heart. What's going on? God is keeping his word. That's what's going on. In the mighty name of Jesus, we decree it to be so. Bless your great name, God. And all God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless.